Hi, I'm Enrico Orsini, uh, scientific lead at EHA Education, and uh, I'm here today uh, to speak about classification and risk assessment of myelodysplastic syndromes with uh, Maria Teresa Bozzo. Maria Teresa, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, um, good afternoon. Uh, I am Maria Teresa Bozzo, I am professor of hematology at Tor Vergata University in Rome and I am, from a scientific point of view, very interested in MDS, myelodysplastic syndromes, and acute myeloid leukemias. Well, so to start, um, can you uh, summarize what is the current diagnostic approach to MDS today? It is just based on blood and marrow examination plus cytogenetics, so there is a role also for molecular genetics and in which patients? Yes, as you mentioned, uh, the diagnosis of MDS is based on uh, morphology, uh, proportion of bone marrow blasts, peripheral blood counts, in particular uh, hemoglobin levels, neutrophils and platelet counts, but uh, increasingly uh, there, has, there has been a role uh, for um, molecular genetic analysis, karyotype is usually performed in all patients, but also um, uh, somatic mutations have been shown to play a significant role for the diagnosis, but also for the prognosis of the patient, so to identify targeted treatments or uh, to identify patients who are at high risk of progression and of death, uh, and to stratify them for specific treatments. So they are currently included in the diagnostic workup, or they are not, or that sometimes yes, sometimes not? Okay, ideally, <laughs> exactly, uh, they should be included uh, for all patients. One must say that there are situations when the karyotype is complex, or when uh, there are uh, specific uh, prognostically unfavorable karyotypes where probably uh, NGS and the mutation profiling doesn't really change the therapeutic and the, uh, the therapeutic approach mostly, um, but there are some other areas uh, like in patients with a normal karyotype, for instance, younger patients where the mutation profiling can help to define a treatment strategy, including also allogenic stem cell transplantation. So, I, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, we, we try to uh, perform NGS in all uh, younger patients and in elderly patients if the NGS is going to change the treatment approach. Well. Speaking about the treatment approach, um, MDS are treated um, on the basis of low risk and high risk. How these low risk and, and high risk are currently um, assessed? So what are the prognostic indexes that are used to classify? Yes, the there patients? is um, a clinical uh, genetic uh, prognostic system, which is the IPSSR which has been developed uh, in 2013, and this includes blood counts, cytogenetics, and blast proportion in the, in the bone marrow. This is uh, the score on which many drugs have been approved, and so it is the basis for treatment indications uh, for many drugs. Uh, 
recently in 2022 and also in 2021, um, mutation profiling has been incorporated into uh, prognostic scoring systems and in particular we had in 2021 the Euromed uh, score uh, and in 2022 the IPSSM. Uh, this is a score which incorporates uh, the mutation status for 34 genes uh, and in addition to IPSSR, cytogenetic uh, stratification and also takes into account hemoglobin levels, uh, platelet counts and bone marrow blast proportion. The advantage of this molecular score over the IPSSR is that IPSSR uh, identifies five prognostic groups in MDS from very low to very high uh, risk MDS while the IPSSM identifies six prognostic groups better defining the intermediate um, prognostic group and also better defining the favorable prognostic groups because the addition of some mutation can really change uh, the, progno the prognosis of the patients and be an alert for a uh, uh, time to progression, a shorter time to progression, which is an important indication for physis physicians treating MDS patients. Can you make an example of some of this? Yes. Um, the so most important, let's say, something. Yeah, I mean, there are several examples that we can make. For example, patients with uh, 5Q minus MDS with a TP53 mutations are at higher risk of progression. Uh, so they, they should be monitored, uh, especially if they are younger and, you know, if. Uh, transplantation is feasible in case of disease progression. Uh, patients with a normal karyotype uh, may have a FLIC3 mutation, ITD, which is included in the IPSSM. And of course, uh, FLIC3 ITD is a mutation which is associated with proliferation and so progression, similar to NPM1 mutations, which according to the new AML classification define uh, AML. So this is a major change. And so we can identify using, um, using molecular profiling those cases of MDS, old MDS, uh, NPM1 mutated, which are now, which now belong to the AML category. And so this is a big change for the patient, for the treatment choice. Uh, and so I think this is a very relevant information. And then we have the whole field of TP53 mutations. Uh, of course, these are associated with complex karyotype in 80% of cases. But uh, we can identify multiple TP53 mutations using NGS. Um, and we know that B-allelic TP53 mutations uh, are prognostically unfavorable and define 
and are disease defining. We know that there is a TP53 mutated uh, AML MDS and AML MDS in according to ICC. Uh, and so, I mean, this is very important. Um, to define B allelic TP53 mutations, we should actually we would actually need additional methods such as FISH uh, and also array CGH. But there are clinical hints um, towards the definition of TP B allelic TP53, such as the association of, uh, of TP or, or the presence of TP53 mutations at over 20% variallelic frequency, the association with complex karyotype, and the association of a TP53 mutation with a 17P deletion, which are all uh, evidences for multiple uh, TP53 defects. This seems to make the diagnostic workup much more complicated. Yes, and it does. Is it feasible? Well, you know, I think that it is nowadays feasible in most uh, university centers and I would say most big centers. Uh, we are trying to make efforts in order to, uh, to give the possibility to do extensive diagnostics also to smaller centers. And this is done through uh, lab networks. Uh, such as the Gimema LabNet in Italy, for instance, and I know there are similar experiences in other countries. Um, on the other hand, I think that we should, um, you know, as I said before, we should try to do uh, a, a to perform a diagnosis as uh, precise as possible in most patients, but you know, just always keeping in mind what are the therapeutic possibilities for these patients. Um, MDS with ring sideroblasts have now an approach, uh, a therapeutic approach, uh, which is a new, relatively new drug, Luspatercept. Uh, but we can identify those patients also using pearl staining. And so, I mean, the indication for the treatment can be based both on pearl staining and on the presence of SF3V1 mutations. On the other hand, we know that, for example, the two new classifications uh, are making life not that easy. To everyone. To everyone. They're very similar for MDS, uh, but, you know, if we think of MDS with ring sideroblasts, uh, ICC defines these only according to the presence of the SF3B1 mutations, while the WHO also accepts the, uh, the morphologic definition using uh, pearls staining. There is a big issue for the AML-MDS category uh, in the ICC, which is not recognized by WHO, and I think this is the major difference between these two uh, classifications, um, and that re will require some work, validation, 
especially from a therapeutic point of view, to show that these patients with an MDS uh, can be treated like IML uh, with intensive treatment with similar schedule. Uh, I think this is very open. Coming back to the, um, the risk scores, what, what is the situation in clinical practice? I mean, I, the IPSSM is going to be the standard that will replace, do you think, the old one? Um, are patients that at low risk with the IPSSR score, but that can have some kind of uh, high risk mutation, actually being treated as high risk, or this is not validated yet? Yeah, well, uh, it is not validated yet. Um, most protocols are still based on the IPSSR, yeah. and so patients are included in protocols also using new drugs uh, according to the IPSSR. Uh, the IPSSM uh, is useful uh, but needs validation. Uh, I think, you know, if you have a young patient with a normal karyotype and a TP53 mutations, but no blasts, uh, peripheral blood counts, uh, which are not so severely uh, reduced, uh, so we put this patient under uh, special surveillance. So these are patients that need to be very closely monitored. I'm, I'm not sure whether, you know, I don't think that we can now really change the treatment for these patients. Yeah. If we find a B-allelic TP53 mutation, usually these patients have a clinical picture which is uh, a lot more aggressive, more severe. So. I think it's, uh, it's um, we need to validate uh, this scoring system. You know, I can mention one paper uh, valid validating the IPSSM versus IPSSR in the context of allogenic stem cell transplantation uh, in uh, especially in hypoplastic MDS and in that context there was not a significant advantage for IPSSM versus IPSSR. So, you know, I think it's, it's a very helpful resource. We need to take into account the mutation status for many situations, but we, we, we should keep both uh, scoring system uh, in the daily practice. Uh, until we have more data. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was very clear. Thank you. Okay. Thank you.